have a draft coming up and we're going to discuss some of our favorite players who we might like to take at number five uh, talk a little bit probably about how these guys may or may not fit in with the new regime uh, maybe discuss a, a you know sort of some other draft issues with um, with some of the, the lottery picks like Ben Simmons and Brandon Ingram and so on uh, and then maybe close with some some kind of wacky guys in the draft you might not know yet but who look sort of interesting on youtube videos so uh so andy what's what's your sense of what the wolves are are, or should be doing in terms of preparing for this draft um well i think that the wolves are in a little bit of an unusual situation in that they're drafting high i mean they're drafting fifth overall and they are planning, reasonably planning on entering next season with high expectations for that season. So they're going to be thinking of that playoffs is the goal, and yet they have a high draft pick, which is kind of an unusual, not totally unusual, but somewhat unusual set of circumstances. So what that could mean is that the Timberwolves are entertaining trade offers either to trade down or just trade the pick altogether and not have a draft pick in exchange for a good player, ready-made player, someone who's 26, 27 years old instead of 19 or 20 years old. So I would imagine that Tom Thibodeau and Scott Layden right now are, uh, you know, while we never hear from them as they're going about their business, they're probably doing all kinds of different things, including scouting and also including scouting the entire league of players and talking to front offices about you know, entertaining different ideas about trades or things like that. Um, at the end of the day, I have no idea, and I don't think anybody has any idea if there will be a trade. It's just a hard thing to predict um, when you're dealing with all 29 other teams and all the different permutations and things like that that could, could happen. But uh, I think that this is a totally wide-open draft for the Timberwolves, and um, I think that it's something that is more easily discussed sort of in abstract terms like do you want a shooter or do you want a big or do you want you know upside or do you want more of a sure thing as opposed to discussing individuals more specifically I mean you can you got to do both I mean they go hand in hand but uh, I, I think this is a case where people's philosophy will gear their preference more than um, the actual players that will be uh, available to the Wolves at five. Yeah I think you just answered the next thing that I was going to put on the table which is um, is this the worst draft that we can remember in, in four or five years, probably? Uh, yeah, you know, the, I think, the I think one that we... It. Yeah, by, by, by saying you know, you're drafting at five based on, on sort of pre- pre- you know, preference or need rather than... Be- yeah. You've got to look at best player available as well, but when you're at five and, and you're not that excited about anyone, I guess the... You know, and you're you're taking the need player probably if you're smart and you're in the wolves position, you know, poised to make a playoff run with the new regime and the, um, you know, the big cat and and Wiggins and the rest of the development that that we're seeing. 
Um, I, I just wonder what five is worth in this draft, and it probably depends on what other teams need if they're going to trade up for it, right? If it's a contending team, especially, and there's some some guy who will, you know, kind of plug the, you know, the the you know piece that we need to to be more uh, competitive in the playoffs. They might pay more, but I don't know. It seems like what what I imagine Tibbs, or at least what the, the media reporting, it, kind of the the bulk reporting, just the firehose that you see. Uh, online suggests is Tibbs is, is probably mainly scouting his former players on the Chicago Bulls. Mm-hmm. So do you, I guess, you know, do you think what, you know, based on on that, if you agree with it, that will probably you know the, a, a trade would be most likely with the Bulls, maybe with the third team involved, um, to 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 make some kind of a deal, or are we? Actually, I, I should know this, but um, or would it strictly be a free agency situation with any of the, the likely targets? Because I think that's the case with Noah, at least. Yeah, Noah and, Butler. and Luol Deng both um, are free agents. And I think that's probably the more likely scenario as far as former Tibbs players go. Um, because I think Tibbs is, probably has a bad relationship with uh, the higher-ups in Chicago. And I don't think that... that seems like uh, kind of, I don't see direct trades with Chicago happening right now. Um, I think Luol Deng could very likely end up on the Timberwolves next year, probably overpaid, but overpaid in the sense that, you know, most free agents are quote-unquote overpaid. Not really overpaid, but he'll get a number that's sort of eye-popping. Um, but coaches like Tibbs and, you know, when we had Rick Adelman, he was the same way. I mean, they want guys they can count on to play the way they want to play. And that's sort of a, a obvious type statement, but it, you really see it with the Timberwolves over the years, the way that a few unreliable players can kind of mess up everything. And you saw how Adelman would just very much veer away from those. And the classic example was Dante Cunningham versus Derek Williams when he was playing Dante like sometimes more minutes than Derek Williams. And you're just like, I couldn't even disagree with him when he was doing it because you, you could see on the plane and it walked by. But I mean, you had a guy who's a number two pick, recent number two pick in the draft, you know, all this upside versus the quintessential limited role player. Uh, and he just couldn't bring himself to, to play Derek very much sometimes. So I, I think you're going to see guys like Dante Cunningham was to that Timberwolves team. Um, joining the Timberwolves this year, uh, just to sort of fill in the blanks between, you know, Wiggins and Cat and uh, and Rubio and things like that. So you you kind of have some stability there. So when Cat makes a nice play, it isn't screwed up by you know pick a bad Timberwolf, Adrian Payne being in his way or something like that. You know what I mean? There's, you got to have some reliability. So I think there will be somebody like Luol Deng that gets signed for a pretty high, uh, a pretty hefty contract, probably not a really long-term contract. But uh, as far as his draft pick goes, I've been surprised that um, a lot of the, the reporters who sort of discuss it, I feel like, and some of this is just sort of tweets and speculation, some of it is the mock drafts, you almost... Yeah, I, mean, I, shouldn't I shouldn't say almost always, but a lot, lot of the projections and discussions are about guards. Um, Jamal Murray, uh, Chris Dunn from Province. Those guys are like point guards or combo guards. Um, Buddy Heald will be in the discussion, too. He's a shooting guard. Uh, and the reason that's kind of surprising to me is that your best, your second best player is a point guard and your 
probably fourth best player as a shooting guard. You know, I mean, fourth best in the, in the scheme of things. You know, Levine is probably behind Cat and then Rubio and then Wiggins. And then you're probably talking about Levine as like this team's sort of fourth most prized asset. Yeah, I think people around the league, I mean, outside of the immediate Timberwolves circle tend to discount Rubio's value. And so I think that you see, especially, at least it, you know, I feel like, because I'd say that because I don't have concrete evidence of this, but that, that I've been seeing Chris Dunn's name just uh, a lot more even than Murray's recently. Um, yeah. And so he's sort of the, the first point guard in the draft, I think. Right. And, we just drafted a point guard last year, Tyus Jones, and even though he's got a ways to go, I think that we like him generally as, as a future NBA player, at least, who will be a second stringer. Yeah. And then I think we, you know, locally, we see a lot more value in Rubio, and it's borne out by the analytics. So I don't think it's just liking Rubio and him being a good fit in Minnesota and stuff like that. But I just, that doesn't translate at all to the, to the national media, the, I mean, what, what, one, one kind of <laughs> embarrassing example was, um, I, I think it was, it was Chris Weber on one of the, the broadcasts, and they were talking about uh, Ricky Rubio. This was, I think, after, after Thibodeau was hired, and they were talking about what the Timberwolves had in terms of assets. And Chris Weber, I think, is a really smart basketball mind, um, and, and so that was why I was sort of surprised to see him just scoff when... Um, when the other guy mentioned Ricky Rubio as being like a top three or five you know, defensive point guard in the league, and Weber, yeah. Weber immediately like you know put his, his like you know, forearm over his head and, and like, yeah. he was, like he was you know trying to pretend not to laugh on the air, and then he did it again, yeah. and he, he was like, no, you know, I don't think that Rubio can play any D at all. And it's the why do you suppose that is? Is it just a racial racial thing? I mean, why do people? Because it, clearly it's an assumption made. You don't watch Ricky Rubio. And think anything other than, well, this guy's a good defender. Like, there's no, there would be no reason to think that if you watched him. So, it's an assumption made based on something. Is it? I don't know. So everyone knows he can't shoot, and that's a sin in today's NBA. If you're a point guard, and then he's he's white and kind of big, but not that big, and you know, kind of he's got a, a passable NBA body, but it's not a great NBA body, and he doesn't. You know, he, he doesn't do anything. Like, you see his assist numbers, you see his steal numbers, they look pretty good, but he, he's always, like, in the top three or so or four. Never leads the league. And I think what you see when you when you just watch, like, Sports Center highlights is a guy who looks like he could be a backup guard in terms of his, yeah. his, his physical profile. And then when you know his jump shot's broken, uh, he doesn't look that impressive until you start really, like, logging the, the time watching him. So, so you think it's, like... His overall physical, um, kind of, his overall profile is sort of just projected onto defense. Like you're not, maybe you're not paying attention to defense specifically, and you're just seeing a guy who's not an explosive athlete, and you think, okay, yeah, he's not a good defender. Yeah, I mean, so first of all, I mean, in, in probably the highlights, mostly the, the people like C Web C, they're just not going to get any defense, um, yeah. unless he gets torched by by someone in a high-profile game, like Chris Paul, maybe. Yeah. Uh, and so I think you know, most of what they see is just him you know, dropping passes off to Cat, maybe, if he's getting featured on SportsCenter or something like that. Yeah. But uh, it just doesn't doesn't capture what Rubio does. And I think the fact that he's a white European 
doesn't help him at all. I mean, yeah. along with the rest of the like, what you know is the real Ricky Rubio physical profile. He's not explosive. He never dunks. Yeah, uh, yeah. He just is what it is. But uh, what he is is actually a really, really good point guard. And, yeah. And I see him as one of the top three building blocks of the team. I think you do too, more than Levine yeah. at this point. Yeah. So I think that he is right now, right there with Wiggins as the second best player. I think there's a the only argument. Um, the only reasonable, the only reasonable argument, argument against, against Rubio, Rubio is if he is hits a uh, point, uh, point in a playoff, playoff setting where his jump shot is kind of like a prohibitive, prohibitive weakness. weakness. It's just, but that's kind of kind of across that bridge when you come to it. To it. Type, of, type issue. of issue. Yeah, we're definitely not there yet. And when I so not to well, so to get back to the draft discussion and not to to diss Chris Dunn, uh, but uh, which is a way of saying I'm going to diss Chris Dunn. I, I really don't yeah, want him yeah. at number five. Um, yeah, yeah. So I, I yeah, I haven't scouted this draft that closely, but I, I it's not as much about Chris Dunn as not wanting to have a third point guard to force our hand. To get rid of what we've already invested in Tyus, which I think we're going to keep seeing increasing <laughs> returns on, um, he may not adapt very well right away. Even though I think he is a really smart player, coaches tend to like him. It seems um, so. He he may adapt pretty well to the Tibbs system. We'll see. I mean, he's a, he's a horrible defender. Yeah. So, but yeah, he's still got I think a lot of bandwidth to learn. Uh, and then Ricky, I think, is going to fit perfectly into the Tibbs system because Tibbs will see how, how hard he works, how good he is at, at D, how unselfish he is. And he'll probably find ways, I think, just given how great of a coach he is, to to make Rubio even more valuable in offense. I mean, he's been playing in offenses under coaches that have not tried at all to really make systems that would exploit his unique comparative advantages. And if Tib, I think, I mean, not that Tibbs should kind of run the Rubio or run, you know, design his offense around Ricky, but in some ways, I mean, he is the the lead the lead guard with the ball a lot of the time. And yeah, yeah. And so the the, the kinds of plays that they can run, uh, so he can kind of more efficiently deliver passes. I think that put Cat uh, Wiggins and Levine in scoring positions. It's good for everyone. So I, I think that he's going to to do great under under Thibodeau. So what I want is a power forward. Yeah, yeah. Uh, That's kind of what I'm thinking too. too. It seems like the big hole, but you're right that everyone's talking about guards for the Wolves. So, uh, so what do you think if 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 we're going for kind of need in this draft, or if we should be, then um, what do you think's possible at five, or to do with five? Well, I hope Dragon 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 falls to five. five. (laughs) He's seven, He's seven one, one, isn't he? Isn't he? He's over He's seven, seven feet tall. Feet tall I, think. I think. Is it really pronounced dragon, or is that just what we're calling him? Uh, dragon, dragon, maybe, maybe. Let's I'm, go with dragon. I'm dragon. willing to call him dragon. 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 Okay. Dragon. That sounds more like Drago from Rocky. Just dread, dread, dragon. Sort of meant of itself as cool. Dragon Bender sounds like a new surly like seasonal. It probably will be if we draft him. Uh, so yeah, I want him too at, at five. I don't think we're going to get him unless unless there's the the pre-draft weirdness that can happen around any European player. We're the, we're the team, that, team can that can afford to take an eighteen-year-old seven-one guy, guy who's two years away from being two years away to Trent Priscilla on Bruno Caracolo. Uh, uh, no, but no, but I want a guy who will be good next to in three, three six, six years, years in that time, in that time frame. frame. Like, it would like, be awesome, awesome to have, to have a killer, killer, killer frame when Katzen is prime. 
Yeah. I don't mean, I don't mean not to not rhyme. To rhyme. <laughs> so that's a long time, time horizon, but yeah, I think you're, I mean that's that's the timeline when we start being competitive in the playoffs. If we keep making the progress, we should. So, um, so you have Luol Deng, whoever else next year. Next year. Do we really like Luol Deng as our starting four as uh, going into the playoffs? Like, if we want to win a series, well, well. Uh, well, the way well, I the see way it I is you could kind of have the best of both worlds, worlds, worlds with, like, like a, a just veteran, yeah, we just had some technical difficulties. I, I couldn't hear anything that you just said, um, but I think I got you. Oh, whoops. Oh, whoops. I was, I was basically just saying, just saying that we could that have, we could somebody, have somebody, somebody like Dang, like Dang for the next, for the few, next years, few years be a high minutes high guy, minutes guy and, then and then transition, transition into, into a period, period where, where somebody like somebody Bender steps, steps, up. steps up. Yeah, no, if it's if it's Bender too, especially given his buyout, it's a buyout situation, right, in Europe? Uh, yeah, but I don't think it's too bad. Too bad. I think, I think right, but anyway, so so a guy who would, you know, would be um, poised to, to actually make a difference in a couple of years, I think would be would be good, and you've got to get a guy who's high upside at that point. It seems like even though Bender uh, isn't necessarily a like an athletic freak, um, his size is is pretty good, but uh, he's not that explosive. Um, I mean, the fact that he's so young uh, just means I think that it would take a couple of years. He might, you know, he could spend some of that time playing in Europe and develop, and and hopefully it would turn out better his rookie season than um it did for for professor big shots this year um but but you know that's a that's a one-off case uh so i I'm, I'm not worried about that at all um i mean i'm looking at some of the other fours here and so um at least i think both you know the main draft sites uh put someone you've talked about on twitter a little bit as as one of your favorites marquise chris uh, yep, yep. He's there potentially. Um, so when I told someone offline the other day that I kind of secretly like Jalen Brown as uh, as a combo, mainly as a three, frankly, but uh, the person immediately retorted, "Well, it's great if you want a, a undersized power forward who can't defend." Uh, damn, and damn. I, I disagreed on the fact uh, on whether he'd be a pro power forward. But um, so so anyway, he could be in the conversation. You've got Arvidas Sabonis' son, uh, Demontis, who I think is would be an interesting trade down. Um, there's quite a bit of variation, I think, in the like the mock draft sites and where they project him to go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anywhere from you know inside the top ten to you know barely above twenty. So uh, so I, I don't know, but like his stock, it, it may be rising or falling. I'm not sure, but he's he's been interesting to me as sort of the uh, the rock solid defender, uh, and you know, it's, I think fairly smart kind of player who could fit well between uh, you know and kind of fall into the program under Thibodeau between um, guys like Cat and, and Wiggins if Wiggins is still playing the three. So he's interesting to me. Uh, I mean, going down a little bit, uh, I mean, you've got some bigs like um, uh, Jacob P. out of Utah. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And who's, who's a pure center? Uh, there's the high upside 
kind of uh, no one knows whether he's actually going to be any good guy um, from Kentucky. Is he the one who, did he kind of get his ass handed to him by Osabonis? Yeah, I think he did. That was the, that was the example, example I'm thinking, I'm thinking of, right? They had a big matchup. matchup. Yeah, it's a small sample size, but I think that it was pretty all, one-sided. All, all cats. <laughs> yeah, cats. So, um, so, so I don't know. Those seem to be some of the the top fours. I, am I missing anyone? But I guess of the, of that group, if you you know, if we're we're sort of picking on need, let's say hypothetically, uh, what do you? You know, beyond trading for an experienced guy and getting out of the lottery, basically, uh, yep, if yep. you if you're picking someone, what are you looking at if you're Tom Thibodeau or if you're Andy G? Uh, uh, I do like Marquis like Chris, Chris, not not for anything, for anything I, personally I personally observe. It's just just reading, reading smart, smart people, people who really like really him. Like him and- I've, I've I've been I've reading, been more, reading more, more and more like Jonathan, like Jonathan Shark at the Ringer. Ringer. He's he's talked, talked and written, written uh, pretty, uh, persuasively pretty persuasively to me at least, at least that, that Chris is worth a home run swing. swing, kind of like, kind Zach, of like Levine. Zach Levine. Um, um, I think the I comparison, think the comparison he, made he made once was like like to young to Amari Stoudemire in terms of his athleticism, which is not a small thing to say. And, and if you don't, if you love, don't anybody love anybody at the spot you're picking and you don't have any clear-cut clear need, need, I mean, that, that seems like, like the time to make a home run swing. swing. A lot of the a logic, logic for why I like, like uh, Dragon, Dragon Bender, Bender, Dragon Dragon Bender, 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 He's, he's, he's got, got freakish, freakish physical, physical tools, tools, and he also and he has also a nice jump, nice jump shot. shot. So, so I know there's, I know there's drawbacks. drawbacks. I think he's a really bad defensive rebounder, and, and I don't know. I'm, I'm sure he's got other issues, issues too, because I don't, don't think he had that great of a freshman, freshman year. But, here, but yeah, he's uh, he's skyrocketed uh, up the the mock draft for Jonathan Gavoni's Draft Express to number three currently, and and Gavoni's lists seem to, to fluctuate a lot maybe more so than some of the other ones I don't know I mean, Chad Ford's do sometimes but it seems like they play around more with who's going number one or number two to attract clicks and uh, Gavoni seems to, to be probably you know, I, I think that probably the, the changes in his um, are actually based on more scouting and discussions with with teams well not, not that Ford isn't talking to teams but uh, I think that there's probably more um, more nuance to what's go, you know, going on on Draft Express, but uh, yeah, what, yeah. do do you think Chris will be available? I mean, it, it, what 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 the draft the mock draft sites love to do is to move guys like Chris who are um, sort of dark horses but might have insane upside way up too high, and they'll bring them back down to earth uh, where they'll actually be drafted because there are the kinds of question marks that we know that there are about Chris. So where do you think he'll actually go? Will yeah, he be yeah. on the board when we take when we're drafting at five? Um, that's, you know, that's, that's a good, good question. question. You're definitely right, right there. He's, he's been, been all over the place. place. But, but uh, yeah, you're yeah, right. You're right. He's, he's, he's been a ride. Sorry, I'm having some kind of tech issues here. We're back after some technical difficulties. I think that we should be be back up. So we were talking about what the wolves might or should do at five. And, uh, and so I guess the, you know, the, the big question is, um, is what do you think the wolves, uh, what, what uh, you, so you suggested Lou all day, what's most you know, probable, um, to, to do in terms of, of personnel changes, uh, with Tom Thibodeau and, and Scott Layden now, 
uh, you know, at the wheel for the for the wolves. What, what, what's what's probable? Probable? Yeah, what what I mean, without maybe you can't name specific names, but uh, so I'm I'm extremely interested in Joe Kim Noah. I think is the as as the guy I have the highest preference for in terms of the th- like the the defense, the intensity, the leadership, uh, past history with Tibbs. Uh, I honestly haven't done a lot of, of research about what um, the constraints might be in trading for him. Um, in some well, ways, he's a free, he's a free agent, right. unrestricted, uh, and he'll get paid by somebody. The question is, is he healthy or not? He hasn't really been for a couple of years. Um, I think that'll be literally the only thing that matters because, you know, what was he? He like got MVP votes a few years ago. Yeah, like two, 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 three seasons ago, I think. Yeah, and his, I guess his last, the the hope would be right that um, that that hurts his his overall value, and then maybe that the the wolves you know, he'll even give I don't know if he would give the wolves a um, you know a deal, but um, but they might be able to you know all, all else equal now I think he's worn out his welcome in Chicago pretty much, um, and it seems like to me he seems like the the kind of missing piece that, that we have right now uh, to play the, the, the four and the five with, with cat uh, basically to do all the things uh, that, that he does really well. Uh, and cat is still improving at and yeah. cat can, you know, does the things basically that um, I mean, they're both good passers, but uh, especially the, on the offensive end, you know, I can imagine that being just an unbelievably uh, hectic, difficult, uh, yeah, just like matchup nightmare duo. Well, we saw flashes last year, early in the year, when KG was able to play. Exactly. How ridiculous this team could be on defense if they had a, rim, a true uh, kind of uh, rim protector, long, athletic, intense five man. Cat was better on defense when Garnett was on the court, and Andrew Wiggins was better on defense when Garnett was on the court, and Rubio was probably better. I mean, they played as, they played at an absolute elite level defense when they had KG available at the beginning of the year, and that's why they had some of those wins, like when they beat the Bulls and they beat the Hawks a couple times. Um, they were winning those games with late game defense and just shutting it down, and that was pretty freaking awesome to see. Uh, and that would be cool if they could get somebody to do that. Noah can certainly do that if he's healthy. Um, those guys don't grow on trees. I mean, we're not, I'm just kind of eyeballing who free agents are, and sure, we don't even bother with Dwight Howard. Al Horford is sort of some people's uh, dream signing for the Timberwolves. Uh, he's unrestricted. I think he has some type of relationship with Pounds from when Pounds was like a teenager, doesn't he? I don't know much about it, but. Did they, did they play on some national team together or something like that? I, I should know that. I think that there is some some connection. I forget whether it was whether Horford was one of the guys Towns interviewed uh, for his high school project. Oh yeah, that's I think, right. I, I think it might have been something like uh, that. Which was which is now really kind of cute, but it's also super dorky. It gives you some yeah. insight in, in, into Carl Towns' personality and why he's such a great player now. Yeah. Is that, you know, he's always sort of looking, uh, you know, he's a student of the game. You know, it was a big deal for him to interview Horford. I think, it, you know, let's say it was Horford at the yeah. time. Uh, but, but yeah, so I don't, I don't know how close they are. I don't, even though they're both really good players, I'd rather have the, I think, a kind of player like Noah between 
Towns and Wiggins than Horford. Horford's a little slower, softer, um, does some of the same things Towns does on offense, but does some of them better, honestly. I think in volume, at least, or has over his career. Yeah. Um, so um, so they seem more redundant than complementary. I mean, they, they'd be they'd obviously be better than what we have currently, but uh, I want to find, I think, the, the perfect complement to Towns because he's the guy... I think uh, clearly we want to build around as yeah, yeah. as the real franchise alpha in you know, a top five, if not higher, NBA player for the next ten years. Festus Azili will be a free agent, restricted, but he might get the kind of money that Golden State realistically cannot match, just because of all their good players. I don't know what they're going to do, but. He's pretty good. He's, he's definitely, definitely a starting caliber center who plays on a team that happens to also have Andy and Bogle uh, definitely end up where Draymond would play the five, so he would be better on some teams than he is on that team. He gets injured a lot, too, though. Um, Paul Gasol's, he had a year with Thibodeau. He's uh, going to have a player option that he might opt out of. So, yeah, yeah there's big guys. guys. Apparently, yeah, Mozgov is unrestricted. I don't know. I saw Whiteside. Whiteside was the guy I was going to mention. Whiteside would be such a boomer bust with Tim. <laughs> I mean, he could be so ridiculously good if, if like, Tim's and him, like, clicked. And just because of his shot blocking, I mean, imagine that. But if he didn't, I mean, he has such a potential to just be a disaster for 80 to $100 million. I mean, I really don't know. I wouldn't do it. I think it's too risky. But He could be, but, I mean, the, the, I think the level of upside that you're talking about, maybe, maybe there's actually even more, uh, would be DeAndre Jordan, right? Um, oh, I think he'd be better. I think he'd be I mean, so Jordan was first team All-NBA this year, right? Yeah, that's kind of yes, though. That's just because they require a center. I mean, he's you got guys like Kevin Durant on the second team, and you're like, okay. DeAndre Jordan is a good player for sure. He's he's not. I don't think DeAndre Jordan's like a special player. So, so what you're saying though is the upside would be definitely the best center in the NBA. If DeAndre Jordan currently is, so that that you might want to take the risk, but you might. I I understand the downside. The Timberwolves don't want to take the risk, is my point, the, on him. I would actually, and something we haven't even talked about, but I've tweeted about it about a million times, is I would trade a lot to get Cousins here with Towns, because I, I the idea of monopolizing like an elite thing, like the Warriors did with shooting, like they got the two best shooters, and they just kill you with that. Uh, I like the idea of having the two most all-around talented big men in the NBA. Maybe I'm, I'm, Maybe that leaves out Anthony Davis. He'd probably be the third one, right? Isn't it those three? You were going to say all-around talent, big man? Uh, unless you include Whiteside. Just, just <laughs> yeah, no, no, they're, so they're, yeah they're, they're the three best bigs. I yeah. Think, Imagine if you had... I just need two minutes. Imagine if you had Cousins as your starting center with Towns starting at the four... And then, sort of like OKC does with Westbrook and Durant, halfway through the first quarter, you take out Cousins, and then Towns is the five for the next six minutes, and then you bring Cousins back in, Towns sits, and you got Cousins at the five, and then you end the half with both of them again. Both halves. (laughs) It's just like, there wouldn't be a moment in the game you didn't have an absolutely devastating big man on the court, and for half the game, you'd have them both on the court. And they're complimentary, because Towns is a perimeter shooter, and Cousins is a low post guy. Yeah, no, that's that's the dream. 
That would, and I think you could throw Zach Levine in the number five pick and a contract filler at Sacramento, and I think that given where their franchise is at, they'd have a hard time passing that up. Because I don't think they're going nowhere with Cousins, and they could get Levine another lottery pick, so that would give them what they must already have. I know they, what do they have, like the eighth pick or something? They have the, I don't even know. They're, they're picking relatively high. They have the eighth pick. Yeah, so you get the fifth pick, the eighth pick, and Levine. I mean, that's a nice way to get your rebuild going. And you have Willie Colley Stein, uh, Trilly, Trilly Stein from last year. All caps. Yeah, I mean, I'm just saying that's the one I would be, uh, that's the major, major, major move that I would be all in on. And I'd just be like, look, Cousins is, a cancer is like the worst word you could use to describe him. You could call him enigmatic. He's kind of got Rasheed Wallace-like tendencies, but the thing about guys like Rasheed Wallace is that they're not so bad when they're winning, and they would win here. So I didn't want to draft Cousins, and I don't think it was a good idea to, to draft him still because you see all the losing that that happens when you're building a team around an 19-year-old, and he's not emotionally wired to handle that product constructively. But uh, if you put him in a winning context, I think you'd, people would totally view him differently, just like they started to view Rashid differently after he went to the Pistons when we left the Jailblazers. Yeah, I mean, both have had uh, a kind of uh, cooling-off period for a number of years before they became palatable. And the, the, the question is about the causality, right? Is it that they, the team is winning more as they cool down? Or uh, do they need to be on a team that's better around them, and then they become more mature? You know, all of a sudden, one year. I don't. I don't know the answer. It's probably, some, some, probably some mutual, mutual causation, causation there. Yeah, probably. Uh, so, I don't. So, so what I've seen, I, I think, and I'm forgetting specifics of deals, but my sense has been in, in just trying to to investigate this a little bit more in terms of trade buzz, um, and is that. Uh, Demarcus Cousins is going to cost more than what you're suggesting. Think, think, think so? I I don't know. I, no, I, I don't necessarily think so. I think that, oh. I think that the Kings are kind of flexing to try to to posture themselves so so that you know they can get the best deal for Cousins possible if they're going to deal him. So yeah. they're they're probably floating, uh, or maybe even uh, I assume it would be them and not like Cousins' agent would be floating. Um, Deals that have a lot more going back than what what you suggested. Yeah, there's you know the Celtics are a team that's sort of always in the discussion because they've just armed themselves with all these draft picks and they're kind of waiting. It's you're kind of waiting for the next domino to fall or you know three first round picks go to a team like the Kings for a player like Cousins could be a different different deal. They might not want Cousins. Sorry. Um, but, but I do I think, think that Cousins, Cousins will be on a different, different team, team within the next, probably the next, uh, the next eight months, months, you know, or whatever it is before the next trade deadline, but, but certainly within the next two years. Uh, same, same deal as Kevin Love had here. It's not bad, but this, it happens every few years where a super, not a superstar necessarily, but a star player, uh, his time is just kind of wearing out on the team. They're not winning. It's, it isn't working out for either side. And it's, 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 I think it's really similar to Kevin Love. So I, I was not somebody who was in denial that Love was going to end up leaving because the team just wasn't taking off. And when the team never launches, it's like, why wouldn't you rebuild and start over for both sides? Yeah, in some ways it seems like there's been a different kind of drama for 
for Boogie in Sacramento than than for Love here. I mean, with Love, it, was, it seemed like it was always the angsty, you know, like, I'm kind of too good to be playing here. Um, you know, I, I want to be the best player I can. I'm improving from being uh, overlooked when I was playing, when I was being essentially mismanaged by Kurt Randis. And then we saw this, like, meteoric rise in his performance and his national kind of stature and reputation and then he got to Cleveland and it was like the you know the emperor didn't have any clothes when he was you know, when he wasn't the number one guy on a on horrible teams right. but he was he was you know a number three who was sort of inconsistent on teams that were were considered to be underperforming in regular seasons at least and um, I mean that's a, sort of the segue I wanted to make um into the the finals right now, just to talk, you know talk about that for a little bit. But with Boogie, it seems like Boogie's just been Boogie out there, you know. Like he hasn't had the sort of prima donna. He's a, don't get me wrong, I think he is a prima donna, but not the same kind of of game playing. Maybe a different kind of game playing than than what K Love did here. Yeah, yeah I don't, I don't think, think they're, they're very similar, similar personalities. personalities. I mean, I think, I think Love, Love is more, more um, career oriented. Yeah, yeah calculating, calculating maybe. maybe. Is that, I, don't I don't know, know if that's, that's the right word. word. I, mean, I mean, Cousins' issues, issues seem to be more of an emotional outburst, right? right? I mean, losing his temper, technical fouls, blowing up at coaches, things like that. that. He, he seems like he's a pretty, pretty good dude off, off the court. court. You, know, you know, he seems to get along with his teammates. I don't, you don't hear much about his teammates having issues with him, right? Maybe Isaiah Thomas and him had something, I can't remember. But I don't think that's really the issue with him. Yeah, it seems, um, like, it seems like any issues that come out, it seems like they've come out later. Um, he doesn't doesn't have the issues that like he had with uh, that Caleb had with guys like wasn't it JJ and some other yeah, players? Yeah, I mean like, like definitely resentment in the Timberwolves locker room at times. Mid, mid, yeah, I mean in the middle of the seasons, um, mm-hmm. DMC tends to reserve his um, his tirades mostly for the coaching staffs. Yeah, and I feel bad for him because I mean, whether you should feel bad for him or not, maybe it's arguable. But what he's done in his early years to refs has really been a disservice to him because they they don't give him breaks at all. He's the only player in the league that I that I pay attention to closely that you can see that he's getting shit on by the refs, and they. I'm sure it's just personal, you know. Why wouldn't why wouldn't you be biased against a guy who's screaming terrible things at you and calling you? I think he calls him the ref. I thought I read that somewhere. You know, as the more polished guys will learn the ref's actual names and talk to him during free throws and stuff. And I don't think he he really made much of an effort there. So hopefully he can mend some of those fences. But um, I would love to see the Timberwolves be the team that Cousins figures it out with. Is kind of my uh, I, I didn't want to draft him and I feel semi-vindicated in that he wouldn't have been a good guy to have in a rebuilding context, but uh, I think he is the guy that you want and what the Wolves are trying to do, which is become a championship contender within the next few years. Yeah, I mean, I wanted I wanted us to draft him at the time just because I didn't think Wes Johnson was going to be very good, and that yeah. I, turned, I turned out to be right about that. I didn't love Cousins, and I actually, you know, we, we agreed on all the, the negatives, yeah, but I didn't know what was going to be that bad. I, I was kind of just going along with the consensus that I had in somewhere between like four and six. And, you know, had I been smarter, I would have been calling for Paul George, who would have been the better pick of all three of them. But. <laughs> yeah, no, but he, I mean, he seemed riskier than um, 
than Cousins to me, I guess, which is why I liked a, a trade down to about where the Pacers eventually got Paul George. I mean, not that you can automatically snap your fingers and trade down. It's got to be a, a deal yeah. that's made, but uh, which Donald Trump would have you know the the insight into how to how to pull off because it's, it's, it's the art of the deal and all that. But um, and, and so whether David Kahn would have had the the Trump magic, I don't know. But yeah. um, but he stuck at four, right, and and took uh, took West, and I thought that that was a big mistake because it just seemed like Cousins was going to be kind of what he is regardless, um, because he's so talented and big. Yeah, uh, and so he seemed like a non-bust guy, even though he could be combustible in the locker room and on the sidelines and on the court with West. I mean, I just didn't know if he could play, and that's that's like scary to me when when you see guys you're picking in the top four, uh, and you, you're not sure if the guy you know, really is an obvious like um, mm-hmm. fit for the NBA uh, to be a start, you know, like a high-quality starter. Well, well, yeah, yeah, and about the, you know, outers and stuff of Cousins, he, he would have, have those, those here for sure. sure. Oh, absolutely. That's, that's it, it isn't that big of a deal. I mean, Draymond Green, they had a, they had like police go outside the Warriors locker room in the middle of the game, uh, in uh, halftime in their regular season game at Oklahoma City because he was freaking out so bad. I mean, the Clippers, you got Chris Paul bickering at teammates all the time. You know, Russell Westbrook and Durant snap at each other all the time. Uh, it's it's kind of part of being competitive that you, you and your teammates sometimes snap at each other. I don't know if it's a Minnesota personality thing, but I, I get the sense that um, people are really reluctant about Cousins because they're afraid. It's this um, this, this Ricky Rubio Timberwolves thing. Towns probably hasn't done much to change it as a personality. Neither is kind of like no Wiggins hasn't either. It's kind of like this. Uh, everybody's so nice. Look at this nice team. I mean, I think Towns is going to evolve into kind of more of a killer on the court. You can see signs of that, but. What's going to come with that too is that he's going to scream at his teammates sometimes, and there's going to be hostility there, and that's just part of the competition. And the Wolves, unfortunately, have had too much on by way of the nice guys the last five, six years, and not enough of the winning and the the conflict that uh, goes along with winning. <laughs> it was, it was, so. uh, this is the the absolute um, top priority thing that I was hoping to get out of the Kevin Garnett trade, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and particularly when we drafted Towns and and Towns. I mean. You can't automatically change a guy, a guy's personality, and you know he's been playing basketball for a long time, even though he's super young. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I, I'll be interested to see, you know, whatever KG's kind of presence is next year. If it's what it was this year, I don't know how much he, he time he was actually spending with Towns when he was when after KG got shut down. Mm-hmm. But if if sort of Towns doesn't have any more of a, a hint of that kind of person, winning personality than he does right now, I mean, Towns isn't a loser. We know that. He's, I mean, he, I think he is a winner, but he, mm-hmm. he's not showing that kind of um, that, that mean streak that we see out of most of the really elite NBA consistent winners yet, and he's far from it, actually. And KG, I think you'll see it, though. I, 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 I thought... It. I, I thought he showed enough flashes to where I think you'll see it more. I mean, he, I can't remember who it was. He definitely was talking a lot of trash towards the end of the year. And you don't have to be a trash talker, but, no, he was, do, he was doing it. I mean, he, but he would only do it, like, he wouldn't do it preemptively. He would do it, uh, like, I'm remembering, I forget the game, but, um, was it was it the two OT game win that we had when he made a, a jump hook off an inbound pass, I think? 
and just just like got filthy um, you know, in the face of the guy who he scored on to to make the key basket. And, oh, and yeah. but it was, but it was like only you know uh, after he had basically validated the win that that he kind of let himself go and and talk trash to the guy. Whereas I think that. Guys like KG are, I mean, they're doing it. I mean, it's like it's like the catcher in baseball who you don't want to go up and and um, bat when he's behind the plate because he's always in your ear. Not that every player should be you know, or could be like that, but uh, someone who's um, you know who's doing it in a way that is actually increasing effectiveness. And um, yeah, I, I just think that uh, that's Ben Garnett's thing for a long time, and it it gets, I mean, it gets obnoxious and old even for fans. Yeah, but but uh, you know it does seem like something that uh, like the true alpha kind of winners in the league almost yeah. all do and have done for for decades. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's always, always fun, fun to watch when the best team comes come down, down and seeing them up close and seeing just, just like the way they punch first almost all the time. The Spurs, the Spurs are probably the only team that really does it without any sort of outward vocal personality. They, they really, really play hard in the opening and exit games. And like, like they're moving the shit out of the ball. And like, you can see everyone is full speed. And then they get amped up without needing to act that way. Maybe it's like, like has something to do with their coach being the personality of the team as opposed to the players. I'm not really sure. But with, with most teams, it's the player's personality coming through. Russell Westbrook is probably the best example. He's absolutely insane from the opening tip. And with the Warriors, it's probably a little drain on green. Who does, who does that, that stuff, stuff and the Curry kind of celebrates, but the Green is kind of the guy who's ridiculously in your face. I mean, he's, he, would, he would really, really be not just to play against. Um, and you can see that on TV, too. They, they do close-ups of him all the time. He's like, like millimeters from, from, from you know, his opponent's face. <laughs> so, but yeah, yeah, I think the Wolves would do well to develop more of that intensity and, you know, bring us back to what started Cousins would yeah so uh before we go um uh punch drunk wolf's favorite bill bano i think is back in the league so we just want to give a shout yep. out to bill bano yeah, yeah. where is he at again he landed uh um, is he working for Dave Yeager now? I have to Google it. Actually, I just saw a, a quick flash on the internet that Bill Bano was getting an assistant coaching job. Yeah, I can't remember where that is. Um, anything else that uh-huh. uh, that you've been thinking and want to just uh, just drop drop as a, a bullet point here before we go? Uh, I don't think so. You know, I don't think these finals are going to be very good. Um, maybe the Maybe something will happen. You never know when LeBron's involved. It's just, just I, I, Bill Simmons wrote about this. Other people have said it. I've written about it. I felt like, like to me, I felt like the Western Finals was the finals. And as someone who really wanted to see the Thunder get their championship this year, I was disappointed. But it's you know, it's cool to see a legacy or a dynasty, I should say, yeah um so just uh fact check uh so yeah Baino was was um is in, in indiana uh under 
<clears throat> Nate McMillan now, all caps. Oh, okay. yeah. Um, which which seems to make sense. Um, and that's that's gonna be an interesting team. I mean, I think they'll be a boring team from the personnel perspective, except for Paul George. Yeah, but um, they're they're, uh, gonna, they're gonna be playing uh, extremely hard, I think, under Nate McMillan and Bill Bainet. Yeah. Yeah, Larry Bird. Uh, he, he certainly, certainly does, does things his own way. way. I don't know. Firing mobile will seem like a weird thing to do, but uh, Bird's made a lot of good moves in Indiana, so I guess he gets the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, sort of like Phil Jackson. Yeah. <laughs> I'd say that Phil's been running on a little bit of a colder streak than Larry Bird. <laughs> I guess we can agree on that. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll probably do either another one of these or some inbox posts or something in the lead-up to the draft. Yeah, so, anyway, stay tuned and, uh, and you yeah, know, let us know what you think about the draft. Sounds, Sounds good. good.